Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
verses of Acts chapter 5. That a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. <coughs> Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. 
Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carried her forth, and buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's unite together in just a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for the experience we've had this evening as we have shared in the filling of the Spirit by the singing and the praying and the testifying, the music and all the things that have been done by our young people. For they have lifted us to a higher plane of living and have helped in filling our hearts with the power of your Spirit. May that power that has begun already in our midst continue through the message. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I assume all of you were here this morning, so you remember the conclusion, perhaps, of the message this morning dealt with the fact that a man by the name of Barnabas owned property along with other people and sold their possessions and brought the money and laid the money at the apostles' feet. In other words, turned it into the treasury of the Christian body so that all the people who had need could have their needs met from this common treasury. Barnabas had a particular need for selling his property and giving it because of his need for rededication. But there was another couple, a man, a man and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira. There are at least two other Ananias I can think of in the scripture. This is not the one of the priests that dealt with Paul and his conversion uh, at all, but another man, his wife, apparently, and I'm reading between the lines, had taken note of the blessings that had fallen upon Barnabas and others when they had brought their possessions and sold them, given the money to the church, and they discussed this particular episode and decided that they would sell their land that they had and they would bring the money also to the church and deposit it there with one little exception, it seemed. They would not give it all. The problem was they intimated that they had given it all. And in this becomes a serious problem for them and for the church. I have entitled the message this evening, Lying to God. I thought about using the title, The Great Pretender. And this would certainly well fit with Ananias and Sapphira, who pretended something that was not true, but in fact did lie unto God. This land was theirs. There was no obligation to sell it. There was no obligation once they sold it to give the money to the church. This was all a free will decision on the part of those who did it. 
but they apparently wanted the church and the total community to look upon what they were about to do and think, my, how marvelous it is that they would be uh, so responsive that they would take the very property they owned and give it in order that the money might go to the church. That is honorable. And we do find people from time to time who give extreme funds and who sacrifice, and some of you, no doubt, have sacrificed in your giving to the church in order that the common purpose of the church could be fulfilled, and this certainly is admirable. I have known people, and perhaps you have as well, who have left their estate to the church, and this is admirable. If one thing does not come into the picture, and that is the desire by that individual to be recognized for what he has done and be thought that he, uh, to be thought of as something extreme. I'll never forget a church uh, in Indiana when I was pastoring out there. I was not a pastor of the church, but a lady left her entire estate to the church, but she put a qualification upon her giving. And that was that there would be a plaque put in the foyer outlining all that she had done for that church. And the church met in business meeting to discuss what to do. These many thousands of dollars would be available to the church if they would do the one thing that she had requested in her will, that this plaque be made and placed there in the foyer outlining her contribution to the church. The pastor of that church asked a group of pastors, as we met one time, what to do. How should the church react to such conditions? Well, it wasn't us for us to say, but my comments were I would turn down the bequeath. I would not accept her money. The estate would have to do something else with it because I do not believe that the church is a place to honor man. The church is a place to honor God. And whatever we do when it comes to the giving of our little, of our great, certainly ought to be done in such a manner that it is not our intention to receive any reward and the same thing comes from doing anything else from preaching or from teaching or from being any officer in the church our purpose ought not to bring to be to bring recognition to ourselves but our purpose ought to be to bring honor unto, unto God and that only and when we fail in that effort we have ultimately failed in, in what we have attempted to do, although in itself it might certainly be honorable. This, it seems to me, is where Ananias and Sapphira had gotten themselves. They thought that they could receive some real recognition out of this particular episode, and they were not willing to give it all, but they were going to pretend that they had given it all, and they were going to keep a portion of it back. They could have kept the whole thing, as we have already noted. They didn't have to give a dime. But nevertheless, they had determined that they were going to get something out of it themselves. Now, there is one person that we must live with besides the Lord, and that is live with ourself. And uh, you have heard it said over the years, to thine own self be true. I wonder how Ananias could possibly have gotten up in the morning and looked himself in the mirror as he shaved and thought, I deceived the church, I deceived Peter, but more than that, I attempted to deceive God. And of course we know that God cannot be deceived for he knows all things. 
he was a person who was intending to appear to be hot when he was nothing more than lukewarm. He wanted to, to show himself to be something that he was not. This is one of the problems that we have during and after a revival. It's very easy for us to get pumped up and excited during a revival meeting. And people are on fire for the Lord and are really going to church. But it doesn't take very long till we begin to see those hot and cold people begin to drop by the wayside. They're only here during the hot times. And when it gets down to the normal everyday episodes of life, uh, we don't find that kind of, uh, uh, of excitement in one's life when it comes to the church. I've been pastoring for 30-something, I forget, four years maybe. One of the things that I have discovered is that there are a lot of excited people when the pastor is new on the scene. And everybody is all pumped up and ready and raring to go. And we find all of these people who, who want to hover around and support the pastor and appear to be somebody of some influence and importance and encouragement and support for the church that can be dependent upon. But I learned a long time ago, those hot people suddenly turn cold when things get tough. It is that person who does not necessarily make a scene who does not pretend to be anything, but is always there, day in and day out, with perhaps quiet support, but you know it's there. This was not what Ananias and Sapphira were. They were the ones that would come rushing in and say, yes, sir, we'll set the world on fire. But no, sir, the world is too green to burn, and we're not willing to give our money to see to it that it gets on fire. This was their problem. And so we have this within the church. And so, so here they come, and, and Peter uh, knows the situation, and he calls Ananias aside and says, uh, Why did you lie to the Lord? Did you keep back a part of the price of that land? The thing he says is that Satan has filled your heart. You notice that? Satan has filled your heart. It seems strange that Satan would fill the heart of a Christian. But Satan does that very thing. Christians are not immune from Satan working on them. And Satan will endeavor to fill the heart of a Christian to be deceptive, to be pretensive, to appear to be something that uh, a person is not. We have the power as Christian people to say to Satan, get away from me, depart from me, do not bother me. You've got that power. Do you know why you have that power? Because the Holy Spirit has taken residence in the heart. And the Holy Spirit gives you the ability upon them in the name of Jesus Christ, you can turn to Satan as Jesus did and say, Get thou behind me, Satan. There is not one of us that has to listen to Satan. The only time we listen to Satan is when we want to. We don't have to. We can reject it. Ananias was not a man who rejected it. Ananias listened to what Satan had to say. And Satan filled his heart with deceit. 
And Peter said, you have not lied. You haven't lied to me. You have lied to the Holy Ghost. One of the things that we forget, I think, is that we cannot deceive God. We cannot really lie to Him because He already knows everything there is to know about us. But here He tried it. Now in verse 4, Peter makes note to Ananias that this was all his land. He could do with it whatever he wanted. You know, there's one thing about God that we can take to the bank if we want. He will respect. He will respect our property. Listen to that. He will respect our property. If we do not want to give our property, we don't have to. There is no place in the New Testament that requires, requires one dime from anybody. The Old Testament law said you will give one-tenth of your entire possession to the Lord. You'll give it. By law, they had to pay it. The Old Testament was that way. In the New Testament, we don't find that. We do find the same principle. But the principle is simply that, a principle. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, whereas the Old Testament required the paying of a tithe. If you pay a tithe today, you do it because your heart tells you to do it. You want to do it, not because God says you give it or I take it. Because God won't do that. What we give today we ought to give perhaps more than the tithe, and many people do. I have known people that would give 20, 30, 40, 50 percent of everything they ever earned into the church in order that the activities of the church might be advanced, the gospel might be preached, and so on. But there is no place that requires that, because it is thine own, says Peter to, to Ananias, and you could have done with it as you wanted, but you elected to give it. Now, as we give, and we ought to be doing it with a cheerful heart, with the desire that whatever it is, small or great, that it be given in order to advance the cause of God's kingdom. God does not covet. He does not want our money. He wants us. Do you see the difference? He wants a committed life. A committed life will involve for that person, the commitment of his capabilities physically, however how small or how great it is. God loves a cheerful giver, not one who does it begrudgingly. And Ananias was a begrudging giver. He gave it in order that he might get something in return. And as a consequence of his attitude, he lost his life. God does not need, nor does he want, our physical capabilities. But there is one thing about providing finances that we have to the church, and that is that we need to give. We need to give. We can be blessed of God. He said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. 
if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to contain. Go back to Malachi chapter 3 and I think it's verse 10 for that. What did he say? You will be blessed for your generosity, but what one gives, let him give it with integrity. Let him give it with honesty. Let him give it with a free heart. And Ananias and Sapphira had not done this. Now what was the real problem of the whole issue? The real problem is they were lying. They were deceiving. Here is the first recorded attack upon the church from within the church. We spend a lot of time and effort fighting alcoholic beverages, prostitution, organized crime of every nature. We don't have anything to fear from those groups. Tell me when a tavern downtown Madison has had any effect of any consequence upon the Olive Branch Baptist Church. Tell me when a prostitute who walks the streets of Charleston has had a dramatic, dramatic effect upon this congregation. Tell me when the organized crime of the mafia in New York has had an immediate impact upon us. I don't think that you probably, nor I, can come up with the time that has happened. But I can tell you what Satan is doing in our midst and in the midst of every church across our country. He has infiltrated and he's trying to destroy from within. And this does have an impact upon every congregation in the world. Here is the problem. We have forgotten that the real problem is within the church, within my heart and within your heart, within our lives, when we are being deceptive and we're lying to each other and we're lying to God about our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's where the problem lies. Let's fight the real problems that we have and quit worrying about all of these issues that don't have any real impact upon us. Although I grant you that we ought to be concerned about organized crime and prostitution and, and alcoholism and all the other things that, that come into this world that affect people, but these are issues that we can fight organized with other groups, of course. But the real issues that we have to deal with lie within the heart of the people within the church. Am I being tough? I don't know. I hope so. Because this is exactly what I think and believe. Here's where our problems are. This was the problem in the beginning of the church here with Ananias and Sapphira. And God made an example of this man and his wife in order that he might reveal exactly what he thinks about deception, what he thinks about lying, what he thinks about people who are pompous, what he thinks about people who put themselves up to be something when they really are nothing at all, what he thinks about a person who would say, I'm giving all that I have to the church, I surrender all, all to him I owe, when we don't do that at all, we only surrender just a wee little bit, and we want that to look like our all. See, there's the problem. And we all face it. We all deal with it, I'm sure. 
It's always interesting to me, and I don't know why it happened, and I can't, I never have figured it out. Ananias falls down dead. Right there at Peter's feet. And he just brings some young guys in, and they pick the fellow up and take him out and bury him right now. They didn't even bother to call his wife and say, your husband dropped dead of a heart attack, come to the funeral. They buried the man. She comes waltzing in, and Peter says to uh, Sapphira, and her name means beautiful, she apparently was a beautiful lady, he said to Sapphira, tell me something, did you and, and Ananias sell a piece of property? Yes, we did. Well, did you get so much money for it? Yes, that's what we got. Did you give that to the church? Yes, we gave that to church, you liar. Because they didn't. Peter says, the very feet of the young men that carried your husband out of here and buried him is waiting to carry you out also. And she falls down. Now, you talk about having an impact upon the church. I'm telling you, this was an impact upon the church. The whole church knows it. And if you will notice, uh, in the 13th verse, <coughs> there were a bunch of the people belonging to the church didn't dare get near Peter. <coughs> and it says the rest of them, uh, let me read it in, in my English, the rest of the church didn't even dare join themselves to them. I think they were afraid that Peter would say, hey, how, what did you do with your possession? And they were afraid to answer. Because they probably had done the same thing and hadn't been caught in the lie. <coughs> Peter accused them of tempting the Lord. You know, that's a dangerous thing to tempt God. How many times have you heard somebody say, may God strike me dead if I'm wrong? Listen, that's one phrase I have never spoken and I don't ever intend to. I'm not going to ask God to strike me dead. He might just take me up on it. You are tempting God to take you to heaven right now by that phrase. I suggest you don't use it. I suggest you don't. Matthew 4, 7 says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It's a sin to put a test on God to see if he's going to do it. It's a sin. Sin is serious business. And putting God in an awkward position is a serious thing to do when he doesn't really want to strike you dead, but he just might do it because you ask him to. I think that's not too far-fetched, and that's just what these two people did. They stood up before God and lied right in his face, and God would not take that kind of lie. So the rest of the church members were keeping their distance for fear that Peter would ask them, what did they do? And this is the problem that we all face, and I have faced it, and I'm sure you have as well, uh, being in a position where you hope that the preacher didn't ask or somebody didn't ask about you for fear you might either have to lie or get caught. And this is what happened to these two people. They got caught in their lie, and it cost them their life in order to set an example for the church. 
Ananias and Sapphira died for me and for you. They really did. They died in order that God could give us an example. Folks, let's be honest with God and not lie to him. Let's do with our property as we will, but let's never put up a pretense. The church, therefore, is avoiding the church, we could say. There was a confrontation with God, and two people lost. Lying to God is the very reason that Ananias and Sapphira died. Now, they didn't go to hell. They went to heaven. They were saved. But God would not tolerate his children lying to him and took their life. I don't know how much patience God has. In this particular instance, he apparently didn't have too much patience with this kind of thing. And I have wondered many times, how can he possibly have patience with me when I have been as wayward and as unfaithful as these two people were in some area of my life? And I think it's important for us all to realize that when we're dealing with the real issues of life and our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, we better be honest. We better be honest. Because God sure does know. He surely knows. Tell me, said Peter, did you sell a piece of property and give all that money to the church? Ananias should have answered, yes, we sold the property. No, we didn't give it all. We gave a portion. They would have lived. But they lied to God. God was tempted beyond his willingness to bear. As we deal with our lives in relationship to God, there's two people we need to be honest with. One is ourself. We ought to be able to look ourselves in the mirror be pleased with not just physically what we see, but spiritually what we know. And secondly, we ought to be honest with God so that when we go to Him and offer our prayer, we don't have to be ashamed because we're honest with Him. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.